You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW, and welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with your host, Denise Eaton May. Denise is a former Human Resources Director and Assistant County Counsel who now practices employment law. She spent more than 10 years as a Deputy Attorney General handling public employee personnel matters. Now she shares her unique perspective with you, providing advice and dialogue for employers and employees as she tackles some of the common issues in the 21st century workplace. Now, here's your host, Attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton-May, and we're here at AM 1220 KDOW. And today we're going to be discussing some recent determinations by the uh, federal court on the Obama Department of Labor's overtime rule. We had talked previously about the promulgation of the rule under the Obama administration, and I think the most controversial part addressed the salary threshold, and this was going to um, allow millions of Americans to be um, not only eligible for overtime, but also have an increase in pay. And I think it was, you know, pretty clear that the Obama administration's, you know, premise was that a hard day's work should lead to a fair day's pay. And the Fair Labor Standards Act, which was part of the overtime ruling, had not been amended in several years. And as everything else, we had changed. Society had changed. Our nature of our workforce had changed. And it was time for an overhauling. And so when the rules were promulgated, the attorney generals and governors of of several states, as well as some private um, industry uh, organizations, went to court in Texas and sought a restraining order or an order injunction in joining them from enforcing the law until it was reviewed as to whether it was constitutional. So it was a big deal because when the regulations were promulgated, everybody was running around. I know I was in my office <laughs> trying to get all our employers ready to understand how you manage your workforce. How do you pay them? Because you didn't want to be in violation of the rule before the rule even you know, got off the ground. So there was some preparation that needed to be done. Um, it was mostly um, apparent in the retail industry whereby you have a lot of assistant managers that may work at the mall and the retail. And at this point, the the salary threshold is $23,000 a year. So you may pay them um, a little bit um, more. Most of them work maybe make about 30000 and they were called exempt, meaning they were exempt from, from overtime. And they would then open the store, order the supplies, address customers, manage the staff, and close the store for the same pay. And so with these new rules, that was going to be changing. You were either going to have to pay that person $47,000 an hour, so it's going to be a nice little 20000 a year increase, um, or you were going to have to pay them overtime, which in California and under the FLSA is more than any time you work more than 40 hours a week. Of course, in California, it's more than eight hours a day. So I think a lot of businesses felt this rule was really going to cut into what were already scheduled budgets uh, for that year that did not anticipate that type of increase. Um, I think it was uh, a lot of angst on the part of business to really understand its impact 
because if you've got 400 stores throughout the country and you've got 600 managers and now you're talking about $20,000 more per year per manager, uh, that's a nice hit on a lot of businesses. And I think that that was going to be of concern. But I, what the judge focused on, and we talked about the injunction and how the injunction that was granted overlapped the election. So we weren't quite sure how the new Trump administration was going to address it. And as we began to look at that, we saw that Trump did not agree that the regulations were were proper. So it was a real dichotomy because you have the Department of Labor uh, in court under one administration saying our regulations are valid. And then during the pending of the case, you've got the Department of Labor saying, okay, uh, maybe this isn't so nice. <laughs> maybe this isn't the way we want it to go. So it was a very interesting time from a legal uh, perspective where the, as the court uh, began to look at it. But recently we learned that in uh, on the 31st of August, um, um, the judge, Amos Mazant, um, out of uh, Texas, basically um, struck down the overtime rule, said it was unconstitutional, that he did not have authority. And, you know... It's very similar, I think, to some of the things we've heard um, the Trump administration assert about certain executive orders that were signed by Obama, certain executive um, rulings, determinations, and certain rulemaking process. Um, That's always been, it's nothing new, wasn't unique to Obama for those type of things to happen. We've had executive orders going way back. We have Executive Order 11246 with respect to making contractors who contract with the federal government identify their minority employees and ethnic basis. And so they have to do that in order to get a contract. That's an executive order signed, I think, by Johnson, you know, 40, 50 years ago. So him signing this executive order um, regarding um, immigration or overtime rules or the regulation process that they went through uh, is nothing new. So it wasn't anything that Obama did. It's something that is a process utilized in our system that gets challenged. And in this situation, it did get challenged. And I think what's surprising from an employment perspective is that he struck down pretty much the whole entire rule. He did not find, uh, as I review, um, he did not find that it was valid in, in any form or fashion. So I think the good news is that the current um, director of the Department of Labor has conceded that the Fair Labor Standards Act does need to be looked at. Maybe not doubled the way uh, it was in the uh, regulations promulgated under the uh, Obama administration, but certainly needs to be looked at and some kind of reasonable um, adjustments need to be made so that we can conform our rules to our actual work life and what people have uh, to earn and do to make a living in the United States. And so I think that's the the good news. But as I look at what he did, um, he basically said that the Department of Labor improperly looked at salaries instead of job descriptions when determining whether a worker should be eligible for overtime pay. And that's a real important distinction because the salary test was not designed to according to the judge, was not designed to determine whether you should get overtime or not. It was to give a base amount of pay to a person who 
exercises certain types of discretion in their job. And you're eligible for a salary if, and you're considered non-exempt if you have those kind of discretionary responsibilities in your job, not because you just make so much. <laughs> and I think that may be where, um, you know, if they could do it all over again, they probably would have looked at that uh, a little differently and um, been able to to keep um, the regulations because it was clear that more than 4 million workers uh, were going to be impacted, and that's a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of folks that were really looking forward to it because they thought they were going to uh, be able to get a raise. And I think um, the judge has given the new administration a clue on how to make this work, and I think if they follow that, it will be real important to be able to say, okay, the determination of whether you're exempt or non-exempt certainly leads to a conclusion at the end of your analysis of whether you're entitled to overtime. But the initial review is, what's your job? What do you do? And that's where you're going to determine how much you should be paid um, or whether you should be paid overtime. Now, how much you should be paid I think the Trump administration and and then somewhat the Obama administration was going to leave that to the employer. I certainly wouldn't want the federal government to tell me what I need to pay my employees. <laughs> it's market rate. And so, you know, people in the Bay Area may make more people make more money than folks in Oklahoma. Um but it's market rate. It's not about you telling me what I need to to pay and I think that was something that was an offense to some of the private uh, organization. Um, the judge also said that the salary level that was created under the uh, new regulations was set so high that it would sweep some of the management workers who are supposed to be exempt from overtime protection. So it was also going to bring in some management workers that would not necessarily have been eligible for overtime and thereby increasing the business costs. And we all know that, you know, most of the uh, pr- approach by the new administration has been pro-business to the extent that pro-business can make its own decisions and less government, best government. Um, I think that's going to also be um, the determination as we begin to look at some of these rules and some of these changes. I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the business groups uh, that um, exactly um, you know, felt the ruling was, was, was positive for business as well as what we can see coming down the pike in terms of next steps from the new director of the Department of Labor. We will be looking at some of the rulings uh, that are fallout of the ruling of the federal judge with respect to the denial and strike down of the overtime rules. And the reason why this is important is because um, day-to-day working Americans rely on what they're going to receive. I've had clients who, who basically, you know, and know exactly what they're going to receive for the rest of the year, and they're anticipating their bonus. They've already spent it in some respects, but, you know, they know what they want to um, uh, achieve, and it, it appears that we were in limbo for so long regarding this rule that now this determination can give us some kind of comfort level of where we are and what we can expect our salary to be. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise May. We're located in uh, Hayward, California at 1290 B Street, uh, Suite 109 
And if you ever have any questions concerning this show or any of our other shows, please feel free to visit the website at www.demlegaleagle.com or send me an email at d.may at eaton-maylaw.com. You're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. Now, back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. We're discussing today the overtime rule smackdown uh, by the federal judge in, uh, in Texas. Um, U.S. District Court Judge Amos Mazant granted summary judgment to more than 55 business groups that had challenged the Obama administration's um, overtime rules that he promulgated in 2016. And as you uh, recall, those rules doubled uh, from 23,660 to 47,476, the minimum annual salary required to qualify for white-collar exemptions, meaning that you would not be exempt from from overtime. So as we talked about earlier, this court, same court, uh, last November, blocked the overtime rule, uh, but had not declared it invalid, just blocked it from taking effect. And so at this point, um, there are no changes that the employers have to make to their current rules based on this August 31st ruling. Um, The order is final. um, Rather than, say, the temporary injunction where we're waiting for more rulings from the court, the only way that this could be changed if the administration, the Department of Labor, filed an appeal. And we don't believe that an appeal is um, likely uh, because the uh, current uh, administration has indicated that while these rules need to be revisited, they did agree that they went probably a little bit further than what they were comfortable with. So what does this mean for employers? Uh, this means that the existing overtime regulations, which were last updated, I think, in 2004, um, still apply, including the $23,660 exempt salary threshold. So basically, business is as usual in terms of looking at um, your salaries. Um, I've cautioned uh, a lot of my clients that even though business is usual, you still need to look at some of the issues of equal pay to ensure that your employees uh, who are doing the same job, who may be of a different gender, are getting the same pay. And a lot of times... That's a perpetual situation in that the individual, whether it be male or female, uh, may have been earning a higher salary at the time that they were hired, and you wanted to at least meet that so that they would take the job, and then you find yourself in a situation where you have two people doing the same job with the same qualifications. One just happened to have had a higher salary, and now you're paying them more, and you're subjecting yourself. If you're not able to truly justify that higher salary, you're going to get yourself um, into to a quite challenge. There's also the situation where, and we've had it even without the ruling, that you can still be a salaried employee but subject to overtime. And that's because your job description doesn't give you the discretion that is required to be able to be exempt. Um, not, And so I think that um, a lot of times um, my clients will say, 
hey, is he salary or, or you know, non-salary? If he's salary, is he hourly, he's non-exempt, he's subject to overtime. If he's salary, he's not. Well, that's not really a clear-cut rule. Again, you got to go back and uh, look at the job description. So um, I think, you know, with respect to this ruling, um, there are a lot of lessons that we've learned uh, in looking at, you know, corrective measures to ensure that we get, you know, a fair pay for a fair day's work. Um, And I think the administration is certainly going to look at it. Um, I think that even though... Department of Labor could challenge the rusing. I do, we all believe that that's unlikely, and what they're going to do is try and start a new regulatory process. And that's a time when everybody gets to write in. And that was one of the issues that was raised in the case. You know, the Department of Labor under the Obama administration said, hey, we, we, we spent two years doing this regulatory process where everybody got a chance to make a comment, everybody got a chance to express their views, we took their views into consideration, and if there was something that was unconstitutional about it, we, they raised it and we addressed it. So why is this all of a sudden so unfair when everybody had an opportunity? And I think that's a signal to the new administration is that not only give everybody an opportunity, but you know, publicize it in a way that folks know, you know not only what's, what's going on, but you address the issues that clearly the court had a problem with in terms of doubling the salary threshold and certainly swallowing up, having the exceptions swallow up the rule. And that's something that is really the courts have always looked at uh, with a frown when they're looking at certain types of legislation and when the exception uh, swallows the rule. So I think, you know, one of the things they're going to probably do, and I believe his name is um, Alexander Acosta, under who's the Secretary of Labor under the Trump administration. Um, uh, my understanding is he's already sent a request for information um, to look at the uh, overtime rules uh, to the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. And this kind of signals that, you know, DOL is looking for information to determine whether there's a need for the new rulemaking. The key thing to employers to recognize right now is that um, Secretary Acosta said he recognized that the salary threshold needs to be increased, uh, but not to the level that it was done before. So I think that turns out to be very good news for, for, for everyone. When I look at the uh, a ruling, uh, it looks like the court was, was really focused on, you know, the salary threshold as well as making sure that the general rule of to clearly distinguish between who's exempt and who's not exempt uh, is is clear and not being swallowed by how much you make. Uh, he really wanted to focus on which was the intent of the legislation is to look at um, the job description. And that backs us up to a lot of the conversation I've had in the past where I recommend that you do uh, an audit of your job descriptions less every at least every three to five years, uh, to make sure that you do have um, all of your jobs lined up correctly uh, to ensure that um, those individuals who are performing duties that could be deemed exempt are classified as exempt and those who are not are clearly classified as non-exempt and that you're paying them the correct 
um, overtime. Believe it or not, we still have wage and hour issues that still go to court because of people not being paid um, overtime. But looking at your job descriptions, I think, is one of the key things that you could do as an employer in light of this ruling because definitely something's coming down the pike. It's pretty clear that Secretary Acosta is going to look at this again. And he's going to see how much it can change. And the more prepared you are as an employer uh, to be able to make that adjustment, the better off I think you'll be in the long run. Um, As we go forward, I I think definitely looking at a wage audit as well as your job descriptions audit, um, that should also be done anytime you make any adjustments in terms of um, classifications or Uh, looking at restructuring your organization. Uh, Some of the impact that I've seen is um, organizations have done some restructuring to lean kind of um, cut costs and ensure that they're operating efficiently, which tends to then to or lead to a layoff of some individuals. And when those individuals are laid off unexpectedly, uh, that's when they come up with all these issues of, well, you know what, I was doing this and I was doing that. (laughs) And... If you look at that, you know, as part of your process to ensure that you can anticipate any claims from employees that would come, um, I think you can resolve them um, earlier on. And again, just like with anything else, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And communication uh, definitely is the key. Uh, We emphasized that when we were even getting ready for the rules that the Obama administration had promulgated, Um, there was... Uh, lots of information out there such that both employees and employers understood and knew what was coming forward. We weren't quite sure how and when it was going to be implemented that kind of kept us in limbo for a while there, but we had an idea of what's going on. So anytime you're able to to do that um, certainly makes any kind of adjustment or transition when the new laws are come in uh, a lot easier for you as well as for your employees. As we go forward, I need to announce that I will be um, taking a little sabbatical and I will be uh, taking emails and certainly uh, calls um, with respect to any of your questions that you may have. I'm going to be able to continue to give you employment solutions to make your life easier, to have you adjust to new laws that uh, come forward. But as we move forward, I invite you to definitely Um, visit my website. I've got two websites that I look at um, in looking at the employment solutions. One is employmentsolutionsatyourfingertips.com. That is a website that you can post information. I have blogs on there, and uh, certainly we'll get back with you and provide you with the information. Or you may send me an email at d, as in david, dot may, m-a-y, at eton-maylaw.com. Or you may also um, give me a call. My telephone number is area code 510-888-1345. I'll be available to uh, answer some of your questions and address some of your issues. And once I get through this uh, sabbatical, I will be back on the air to provide you the uh, pertinent information concerning employment law and the way we live. One of the things that is real important is that I think um, employment matters are, are the key to everyone's life in, in understanding the rules and, and the laws that affect you as an employee and as an employer. Our GNP is based on how much we spend. We spend based on what we make. And when there are problems in what we make, 
then our GMP is affected and our whole economy is affected. When we don't put the right supervisors in positions that know how to talk to the employees and understand the employees, we get lawsuits. Those things happen. Um, that's not going to end, even though I'm on sabbatical, but I will bring back some information for 2018 and some laws that we want to look at. Again, Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. This is your host, Denise Eat May. Feel free to visit my website at www.demlegaleagle.com. You've been listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. And join us again next week at this time for Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips on AM 1220 KDOW.